Member-supported Jazz 90.1 proudly welcomes you to America's longest-running computer show, Soundbites. Call the show now at 966-JAZZ. That's 966-5299. Toll-free, 800-790-0415 or soundbites.org. Now, alongside Steve Ray and Dave Enright, here's Nick Francesco on member-supported Jazz 90.1. Good afternoon, Mr. and Mrs. American, all the chips in the PC. It is Saturday, the 20th day of January, Anno Domini 2024. And you, oh, you lucky people, you're listening to Sound Bites. I'm Nick Francesco. I'm Steve Ray. And I'm Michael Oden. And at nine minutes after the hour, we're going to be bringing you news, views, things to choose, nothing to lose, kick off your shoes, don't get the blues. Have you paid your dues? Here comes the news. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Google is updating the warning on Chrome's incognito mode to make it clear that Google and websites run by other companies can still collect your data in the web browser's semi-private mode. The change is being made as Google prepares to settle a class action lawsuit that accuses the firm of privacy violations related to Chrome's incognito mode. The expanded warning was recently added to Chrome Canary, a nightly build for developers. The warning appears to directly address one of the lawsuit's complaints that the incognito mode's warning doesn't make it clear that Google collects data from users even in private mode. Many tech-savvy tech savvy people already know that while private modes in web browsers prevent some data from being stored on your device, they don't prevent tracking by websites or Internet service providers. But many other people may not understand exactly what incognito mode does, so the more specific warning could help educate users. The new warning seen in Chrome Canary when you open an incognito window says, You've gone incognito. Others who use this device won't see your activity, so you can browse more privately. This won't change how data is collected by websites you visit and services they use, including Google. This is in response to a lawsuit. The litigation alleged violations of federal wiretap law, California's Invasion of Privacy Act, California's Comprehensive Computer Data Access and Fraud Act, and California's Unfair Competition Law. It also alleged invasion of privacy, intrusion upon seclusion, and breach of contract. What is conspicuously absent from the incognito screen and any other representation by Google is a disclosure that Google continues to track users while they are in private browsing mode. Nothing in Google's privacy policy or incognito screen leads users to believe that during private browsing, Google continues to persistently monitor them and sell their browsing history and communications to other third parties. In fact, where the privacy policy and incognito screen are read together, the user necessarily reaches the opposite conclusion. Google argued that users implicitly consented to Google's receipt of the information because they were aware that Google receives such information when users visit websites that use Google services. Google said people can use Chrome's developer tools, which can be accessed via the Chrome menu or similar features in other browsers, to learn which third-party services, including Google services, uh, the websites they visit are using and the data being sent to those services. Google argued further that its receipt of information from users is known to the public because it has been, and I quote, widely discussed in the news media and other public commentary. So our poll of the week at soundbites.org, that is Bites with a Y, Francis would like us to remind you, is Google's incognito mode isn't. Your choices are, wait, 
Google tracks us? Huh. Well, who didn't know that? So what? And this is why I don't use any Chrome-based browsers. Which pretty much means you're only using Opera. That's pretty much how that works, I think. Uh, no, no. I don't mean Opera. I mean um, Firefox. Um, so far, we've got 52 votes. Excuse me, 56 votes. Well, who didn't know that is easily in the lead. Uh, and, of course, you can vote. It's pretty easy to do. All you need to do is head on over to soundbites.org. That's Bites with a Y, Francis would like us to remind you, and vote in the poll. And, of course, you can join us here by giving us a call, 585-966-JAZZ. That's 966-5299. Toll free, 800-790-0415. It's almost if they, well, they better call it by, by its original name. Instead of incognito mode or private mode, it was porn mode. So your spouse right. didn't see what porn site you went to. It, it only protects you from other people using the same computer. That's all it ever did. That's all. That's all. It, that, yeah, exactly. That's all it ever did. And people don't. People. What incognito mode sounds it, it like it implies. It implies. Yeah. The problem is you're never incognito on the internet. Yep. I'm sorry. Even when you're using Tails or Tor or something along that line. Somebody somewhere knows where you're going because the data have to come back to you. Yep. If you don't tell them where you are and who you are, you can't get your data back. Somebody knows you're going to that site. Now, if you are using a VPN and you trust that VPN, yeah. you're in, you're okay. There's, there's too much. I think can misrepresentation on TV commercials about what a VPN does. It protects you on the internet. Okay, it protects you from your ISP, but we know where everything you went and everywhere you went and everything you did, but your ISP can't anymore. Right. Um, it's a. It's a. I just. I don't understand how people. Well, I guess people don't really know how the internet works. I guess yeah. that's it. Well, it's the old saying: if you knew how the internet works, you'd be shocked that it works at all. <laughs> that it works at all. <laughs> I might, and you'd never get on it. Yeah, I'd, I'd tell you a UDP joke, but I'm not sure you'd get it. And I don't care if you do. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, if it, it works a lot like the post office, if you don't tell them, if if you don't have an address. On an envelope, that envelope cannot get to you. So when you send a request to another website, it includes a SASE, a self-addressed stamped envelope, mm -hmm. with your return address on it. If you don't give it that, it doesn't know where to send the data. But because you do put that on there, somebody somewhere knows those data are coming to you. And that's also how a lot of the spammers work, by putting the wrong return address. Just like on a letter, you don't have to use the right return address, so the bad guys can say, oh, this came from Yahoo, and you need to do this. But right. No, it didn't. Well, and in addition, I get uh, um, one of the websites that I administer gets a lot of spam people signing into it. Mm -hmm. Now, this particular website has verification. Yeah. So when you sign in... Uh, it sends an email to that address and says, you know, click here to verify that this is you. And about half the time, I get 
a, a notice that the verification failed, mm-hmm. that that person doesn't exist or the yeah. email address doesn't exist. Um, and and I go in and look at the at the database and I see an, an insane number of bad yeah. email addresses. What I see a lot is in in the form to to sign up, you know, name, address, city, state, zip. They put their spam message in each of yes. those fields. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> because someone's going to have to read it to see what that is. To yep, <laughs> deny exactly it right. We made it. Um, so those are those are. Um, you know, the, well, the internet gets ruined by the jerks. I get that. Yeah. But the the, the reality here is that um, you're just not incognito on the internet, no matter what you do. Um, you can mitigate that somewhat. We've talked about this before as well. Uh, I use um, I use um, uh, a different browser for going to Facebook because one of the things Facebook does is put a universal cookie. On your system, mm-hmm. and it means that every website you go to, every website you go to, Facebook gets uh, a notification. Right, and and many times Amazon has one too because right. so many people buy stuff at Amazon. So that's that that's the thing about you think your devices are listening to you because you suddenly are getting ads for Jeeps when you didn't say anything about Jeeps, but in a conversation with a friend, did because that friend searched for Jeeps. That Facebook and Amazon tag is on his device. His device knows it's in physical proximity to your device. So they say, oh, maybe you want Jeeps too because you were there when he talked about it. I'll send you some ad. It's, they don't need to listen. It's more insidious than that. Right. <laughs> right. Um, it, it's just the, the, the Internet works a lot differently than you think it does. Yeah. And you just need to be aware that stuff you do on the Internet is not private so what you have to do is go to someone else's house and use their computer to thank you do that, all let's you. let's <laughs> let's uh, steve's opinion yeah is not the opinion of jazz 90.1 or any right thinking yeah. individual anywhere in the known universe yeah, that's why i have an open guest wi-fi network right plausible deniability wasn't me could have been someone using my wi-fi could have been someone using but and, and you you do have you know it's yeah. still not necessarily easy to uh to know that that that's uh, uh, yeah. to prove that rather, um, and I get that. But, yeah. Fortunately, I don't pirate movies, and I don't you know pirate music, and I don't do any, anything bad, and so I I don't foresee the authorities showing up at my house. <laughs> right, 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 right. All right, to the phones. Our first caller waiting patiently on the line. Our friend Scott from Buffalo, New York. What's up, Scott? Uh, a few weeks ago. Oh, hi guys. Hi. <laughs> a, a few weeks ago. Uh, I updated my iPhone 14, and something odd happened that my Facebook account uh, seemed to have created a duplicate, or something with a duplicate was created on Facebook, so that that uh, with with my iPad or my laptop, my my laptop, um, I have the same original Facebook account. But there's a new one on my iPhone, and I can't figure out how to change that. Yeah. Well, part of that problem is that I have forgotten my password to Facebook. Yeah, yeah. so that's two of them. Yeah, that's the basic thing. You sign out of the one you don't want and sign into the one you do want, but you'll need your password for that. 
So you'll yeah. have to go through Facebook's uh, forgot password. Now, is is the is the account you don't want? Does it have your information in it? Does it have information of someone you know in it? You know, one of your grandkids borrowed your phone. Maybe no, all, all the new. I, I'm the only one who uses any of these things. Mm-hmm. And and the new the new account, anything it has, I put in there. And it, by the way, there's been no change with Messenger. Messenger, it's it's the original account, but I, only Facebook is the original account. I know Facebook gets really insidious about wanting your cell phone number. Cause that, right. And that's how it originally started, I think, it cell phone number, and then they added an email address to it. Um, so maybe mm-hmm. it now finally got your phone number, so it is the same account. It's just one is under your phone number and one's under your email address. Yeah, I, who knows? But I, I'm, I'm now, I now have two different accounts right. on Facebook, that, that, that I don't want those two. I mean, I have other accounts there, but I don't want, I don't want the new one. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, Steve, can he, can he get his Facebook password? From his iPad? Uh, from the keychain. If if you told the keychain to save your Facebook password, you can look up what you had. Oh. Set I'll do in, that. in settings under um, um, passwords. Excellent. I'll do that. Yep. There you go. Yeah, we had a customer. Right, yep, thanks. Yep. And a... for Pete's sake, get a password manager. Well, that's what the keychain is, but you got to remember it's there. Well, there's that. Yeah. And you got to say yes when it asks to save your password. Right, right, right. For any for any password manager, when it asks, to, do you want to save this password? Say yes. You have to say yes. Yeah, we had a customer this week where um, uh, through through multiple password reuses, someone got into his email and his Facebook account and Netflix and a whole bunch of other things. Um, they changed his information in his Facebook account to them, so the address, the phone number, the 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 um, uh, picture. So when they're calling Facebook to get the account back, you know, they say, okay, what's, what's the address on the account? And they give their address. No, it isn't. What's right. the phone number on the account? And they give their phone number. No, it isn't. Because the bad guy already changed it. Right. And so, so they said they've been going through the runaround for several weeks with Facebook. And Facebook, Facebook doesn't, doesn't care. care. Just make a new one. Yep. Facebook simply doesn't care. Because part of it is they go to their shareholders. Mm-hmm. And say we have two hundred billion accounts. Yeah. Well, half of them are dead. Half of them are duplicates. Half of them are fake. Uh, right. We don't care. We have two hundred billion accounts. And it doesn't have to be that you were hacked. Right. It, it, it's not. It, so so someone can make a new account that says Joe Smith. Right. It, it, it you were cloned. Right. But not hacked. They didn't. They they didn't get any of your private information. Right. They They're just not cre- in your original account. Right. They just created a new account with your name, grabbed some of your public pictures off of your public Facebook to put in, right. and then they start sending friend requests right. to your public friends because all this is public on Facebook. Two things you need to do when you get when you get a friend request from somebody you think you're already friends with. First, look them up. Because there's a search bar in the upper left-hand corner on the, on the desktop screen. I, I don't have Facebook on my phone. Thank you very much. Uh, but you can look people up. And if you already see the name in the list, when you look it up, and it says friend, you're already friends with that person. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to – so you know that the second account is fake. The other thing to do is to take a look at that account. If there's no picture older than yesterday, it's a new account. Yeah. The problem is sometimes people do get hacked or they forget their password. So 
they really make a new account. Right. And they really ask their own friends to refriend me on this new account. Right. So it's very hard to tell the fake friends from the real friends. Well, what what that actually happened to a, a friend of mine. It actually happened to my wife happened at one my, point. Happened to my wife, too. So what she did was she created a new account, and the first thing she said was, check with Nick, Yeah. and he will tell you this is a real account. Yeah. So I got a whole bunch of private messages. Is this real? Yes, it is. It's really the new Elaine account. Yes, go ahead. You're fine. So that's one way... That's one way to help uh, tell. So uh, you can do you can do that pretty easily as well. All right, back to the phones. Our next caller is Dave from Canandaigua, New York. Hi, Dave. What's up? Well, I got a, a few short things, but a helpful hint for the last caller: if you don't have any friends like me, you don't need a Facebook account. Yeah, <laughs> but, it's true. But uh, also on your website, you got the the message about how much you hate. Uh, 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 WordPress. Oh, come on. Yeah, WordPress. Yeah, try loading Divi Builder on top of it, and you'll change your attitude. Oh, man. It's, it makes it even worse. What is it? It's unbelievably uh, called Divi Builder. Divi and Builder? Tried, yeah. Yeah, it's, and it's like an add-on, and it just adds more garbage on the page when you're trying to compose. The ultimate oh, WordPress theme and visual page builder. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I just... Anyway. My 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 oh. daughter wants me to put web, uh, WordPress on her account on her site, and I'm just I hate it. I know. Uh, look, I get it. Ninety percent of the websites on the on the internet are on WordPress, and lots of people run it every yeah. day without a problem. I just never have run it without a problem, and I don't know if it's just me or what. I just hate it. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Oh, the other thing, I have a, an add-on in my Firefox which blocks everything, like Facebook is trying to grab information yep. if you're not even logged in or even a member. So there is an add-on that supposedly blocks that. Right. But my real, my real problem today is that uh, Google is discontinuing uh, Google Podcasts, and it works great, it's simple, it's free. And I've looked at a million other things. I've loaded and unloaded a number of them. And because the ones that, the best one I found was the antenna pod, but the syncing uh, is like you go to this one site and that's been down for like a year. Yeah. I wonder if you guys had any any good, I mean, I, I looked at a hundred of them, but if you knew something that works as, as easily and nicely as Google, I haven't found one yet. I'm currently playing with a podcast addict. Yeah, um, yeah, I looked at that. But yeah, none of them work quite the same way Google Podcast does. And you know, Google is following Apple, right? They, at first, everything was all separated. Then it was all consolidated. Then it was all separated. Now it's going to be all consolidated again. They're moving it into music. Yeah, they're moving it into music, and it's stupid. Apple separated it from music into its own app, right? I've heard a lot of good things about Pocket Casts. I I'd still use Apple's podcast app myself, um, but I've heard a lot of good things about Pocket Casts from 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 podcasts that I listen to on Apple Podcasts. So yeah, there's no problem with Apple Podcast. So Apple, especially with Apple Podcasts, goes into the Apple um, ecosystem on the Apple Podcast directory. So right. that's where a lot of people find new podcasts. Um, but uh, but that was another one. Uh, what was the other? Marco Arment has one I think called Over Overcast. Um, there's a couple of them that, um, um, one, in fact, Apple finally added the feature where you could speed up 
your podcast, so I listen to everything at one and a half. And whenever my wife gets in the car with me, they, it sounds funny. So when I back it down to one X, it, it sounds funny to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, well, anyway, there's, uh, a, there's a couple of choices. Yeah. yeah I, the other, the last one that you mentioned, I've still got that one. I haven't checked it out completely yet. But uh, um, the only other odd one, this is something uh, with the, the nonprofit I'm involved with, was that I, I went directly to PayPal and I typed in the name of our nonprofit, and a whole bunch of other names came up, very very similar. And you know, if you go directly to PayPal, you, know, you could go to any of these different uh, accounts and make a donation. So how do I know that people that really want to donate to the to the right nonprofit, the one that I'm with, are instead just sending money to this these other places without really knowing the difference? Oh, if sure. you go to our site. Sorry, go to go our site and sign up. It's going to yeah. be right, but right. you can go directly to PayPal and send money to anybody. Yeah, it's exactly so, right. And the short answer is you can't. You can't know. Um, the long yeah. answer is to do what you did, which is put a donate button on your site, just as we did for sound bites. Uh, for sound bites, make sure your um, uh, user icon for your PayPal account is is. Uh, dis- uh, distinctive enough to know it's you. That's what we've had to do for our store because there's so many Mac stores. Right, right, so right. We're gonna make sure that the logo is the Mac. And f- we've seen on um, uh. on Venmo the first time you send money to someone, they ask for their cell phone number to verify it's the right someone. Because we've done that a couple of times where the person has sent payment to the wrong company. We've done it mm-hmm. a couple of times. Yeah, <laughs> we had an employee where we where we were sending his his um, um, uh, paycheck to the wrong person. Oopsie. Yeah, and the, and the kid didn't say anything about it for several weeks. <laughs> Your kid didn't. Is that the music? Yeah. But yeah, that's uh, yeah. Make sure you got a good icon and uh, and uh, and hope that people find you that way. Yeah, and make the donate yep. button on your website much much more prominent. All right, we got it. We got to go. Sorry, got to take a break. Back in just a couple of minutes with Steve Ray, Michael Oden, me, Nick Francesco, and you. It's thirty minutes after the hour. It's Sound Bites. It's member supported. Jazz ninety point one. Online twenty four hours a day, seven days a week at soundbites.org. More with Nick Francesco, Dave Enright, and Steve Ray next on member supported Jazz ninety point one. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Nick Francesco. I'm Steve Ray. And I'm Michael Oden. And at 36 minutes after the hour, we are Soundbites. And apparently it's 40 degrees in Los Lunas, New Mexico. We hate you, just that's, so you know. That's kind of cold for New Mexico, isn't it? Is it is for, for New Mexico. That's pretty cold. All right, so before we get back to the phones, Rich this. in the chat asked, um, how safe are the password keepers on Firefox and others? Short answer, not very. Longer answer... Uh, how secure is the password to your computer, and do you lock your computer when you walk away from it? And and your Firefox account and Google account, because Google has a password right. manager built into Chrome. So if someone breaks into your Google account, they have all of your other passwords too. Right. So how good is your password for Google? How pa- good is your password for Firefox? Uh, all of that. That's those are the important questions. Um, you can, if you can get to your Firefox or your Chrome, your your Google Chrome browser, um, you can find the password manager 
And in the password manager, you can show any password. Right. So the question is, how good is the lock password on your computer? And do you lock your computer when you walk away from it? Um, so that's that's the question there. I had a customer the other day. His lock timer was set to eight hours. Yeah, right. No, it should be like 30 seconds. 30 seconds at most. Um, on my laptop, yeah. which is, of course, you know, the thing I take out somewhere, it's 30 seconds. At home, it's a bit longer, but not terribly much. Yeah. Um, you go up to get a refill on your cup of coffee, someone sits down at your computer and looks at your passwords. Right. And that minute and a half it takes you. Right. Also, we used to, doggone it. I used to, I actually made, I had to lengthen it when I was teaching. Yeah. Because, of course, I'm, I'm showing slides mm-hmm. in every 30 seconds that they would lock. But when I would go to open it, there were always students who were side-eyeing me. Yeah. So I would, I would put my hands over the keyboard, and then I would take them away and look at the student and say, would it help if I just told you my password? Then they get all embarrassed and read, and they look off the ceiling, the floor, somewhere else. Nope. I had read uh, somewhere that back in the early day, you know, 50 years ago, when, when they were deciding about passwords, the, the recommendation to obscure the password as you're typing it. Right. The person who, who decided on that has apologized to the Internet. <laughs> he figured the biggest threat was someone looking over your shoulder. But an arguably bigger threat is you mistyping it yourself. That's exactly right. So a lot of places will have a show password button that you can click to see what you're typing. Um, but then, then you really have to watch, look over your shoulder. That's a common uh, ATM hack. Uh, you're at the ATM typing your password. Someone's across the parking lot with binoculars watching you type it. Yeah, I always put my hand over it yeah. when I do that. Or now no, the other hack that, that that's a little bit sneakier, they'll have a thermal camera, and yeah. they can see the heat of the keys on, uh, and get the order of the keys you push. So I always put my palm down on the whole keypad when that's I'm done. That's a nice idea. That's a nice idea. But anyway... Um, the the short answer too late. The short answer is not safe at all, um, depending on your password. Yeah. Well, and and the same can sort of be said for any password manager. How right. good is the password that stores it? Right. So the, monkey one two three. W- right. <laughs> when I am demonstrating um, um, NPass for other people, I have a separate account. And the password I use for that is very short because I'm in the middle of teaching and I don't want to yep. spend time. But my password, all my passwords are very long. I'm, I am a touch typist. I used to type about 90 words a minute, but I have arthritis now, so cut down to that. So my passwords were always, you know, 50, 60 characters long. Now they're down to 25, 30. But still, I think that's fairly good. I think that's fairly good. Um, longer passwords are better passwords that aren't something obvious. Uh, Michael, for example, today has a Raiders shirt on. If his password were Raiders, a lot of people would know he's a fan of the team. Raiders won. <laughs> Raiders won. Now you're safe. <laughs> now you're safe. Yeah, I'm safe. You figured it. <laughs> Michael's sitting there thinking, how did they guess my password? Yeah. Um, so, you know, make it something that's not common to you. We see it all the time. Yeah, don't um, you have a story about being a temp in a... In an, uh, I was yeah. at a, a, a local institution that no longer hires a lot of temps. <laughs> and um, I was there um, in the tech support area. And they wanted me to... This is many, many, many moons ago. And they said, okay, you're the new guy. You're going to go around and update everybody's Norton. 
and they handed me the CD. Mm-hmm. That's how long ago this was. And they all went to lunch. Nobody gave me the password. Yep. The 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 system admin's password. When they and they're joking, you know, I'm sure they're joking themselves all through lunch. That poor idiot, he's not going to get anything done. Came back, I had all but one done. Yep. Because I could, I cracked everybody's password. Every single person on that floor, and this was the executive suite. Yeah. So, they, you know, they they should have been the most protected, and they were the least. I cracked everybody's password, but one guy. So, um, yeah, be 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 aware that uh, in an era where the password is still the number one way you protect your data, your password has to be yep. pretty. Complex. And apparently the guy that invented passwords was Fernando Jose Corbato yep. at, at MIT in 1961. Yeah, we hate him too. <laughs> the time He created the time-sharing system, so you have to log in with a password to know who to, whose, whose account you're getting and who to bill on the time-sharing system. And then that's the important part yep. right there. The first use of the password. Yep. All right, well, Beth, digital password. Digital password. Passwords right. have been around for millennia. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, I've got the yo-yo. I've yeah. got the string. That's the old joke. The owl flies at midnight. Yeah. That's the old joke about the fax machine. You know, when was the fax machine invented? Oh, yeah. In the 1600s? Eight, yeah, no, 18, eight, I think 1800s. Yeah. The digital fax machine was 1950. Right. But before that, two guys on a mountain would raise and lower flags while someone marked a spot on a yep. parchment. <laughs> yep. All right. Back to the phones. Our next caller, hopefully waiting patiently, is Brian from Pavilion, New York. What's up, Brian? Gentlemen. Oh, who came in? I know. I'm. I'm. I'm never going to stop doing that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Facebook. Yeah, we don't need that. We were fine without it, and uh, you know, it's not something we have to worry about anymore. Just break the chain, people. It's 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 a waste of time and energy. Well, most of them nowadays are are so uh, all of the all of the social media platforms are so full of spam and nonsense. No, just stop it. And, you know, and, and that's just it. It's like, uh, uh, even breathe it out. You know, yep. you don't need right, it. Right. It's ridiculous. Uh, now, I, I admit that's hypocritical because I myself contribute to that. Yeah. And I understand uh, that. I'll, I'll, well, I, I, but I, I gave up on it because uh, I, apparently uh, I was sending friend requests uh, to people I don't even know. And uh, then there were some, like, Asian girls that were real interested in my 65-year-old overweight frame. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh. Yes, yes, you're 19, and yeah, whatever. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm apparently very attractive to a to a certain uh, demographic of of young ladies that uh, I I do not necessarily trust are actually young ladies. But anyway, go ahead. What's your question? Well, actually, I called last week um, with a slow Nachi YouTube issue, and um, I know you spent the entire week sleeplessly trying to help me out with that. But uh, actually, turns out uh, YouTube and Google are getting real serious about ad block and stuff like that. Yep. And that's what was, that's what broke my stuff. And I just wanted to follow up with you and tell you that no one helps yourself like you. Yep, yep. that's exactly right. And yes, I did look that up in point of fact. And you are correct. One of, one of the issues that we're having, and of course, it's a lot of finger pointing. Google yeah. doesn't want to say it's them that's doing it. So they're blaming ad block. Ad block is saying, we, we didn't change anything. Yeah. How, how could it be well, us? Well, yeah. well, and the, and the biggest threat you have in your machine, you know, passwords you guys were talking about earlier and stuff like that, the biggest threat you have is third-party cookies. Yeah. And you need to run some defense on that. So, you know, it, it's – am I going to stop using YouTube? Of course not. Right. 
but you know, I'm going to do what I can to, you know, uh, Raspberry Pi. I, I run a, 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 a. There's a couple programs you can run. I'm 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 blanking out on it right now. Pie hole. A pie hole, exactly. I, I've got a, a a three running upstairs right now, and uh, it does a really good job. But it does once in a while it does break things. Yep. So one know. of the one of the things I've discovered is that so far, at least, and this could change. This could have changed. Since last night when I was on YouTube, but as of last night, uh, Ublock Origin is doing still doing an excellent job. Excellent, excellent program of excellent blocking routine. ads. Yeah, and excellent I routine. and I I couple that with a program called Sponsor Block, which you know there All are right. the interstitial ads where the the presenter on YouTube actually does an ad live. Right. Um, and and uh, um, sponsor block helps get rid of those as well. You know, actually, I don't mind that though. I mean, if you take the time and effort to put something together that I'm interested in looking at, and if you want to drop, you know, you know, an ad on me, as long as you're doing a live read. But when you break in the middle of something I'm interested in watching, right. like an, an old concert or something like that, just for some tampon commercial or bras or something, I, yeah, it's like, come on. No, I, I, Especially if it's the same commercial you saw in the last break, in the last break, in the last break. Yeah. And now they're crossing. And now they're crossing over because now we got we got this, this these health gurus. Like I'm supposed to look like that? I'm never going to look yeah. like that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> not not we, at gunpoint. <laughs> we have been noticing on uh, YouTube TV that the commercials are getting longer, and some of them are now unskippable. Yes, they are. Well, but I do like the fact that it has a timer that tells you how like how long it is. Then, oh, you can, right. then, but, then you can run to the bathroom. <laughs> well, 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 there is that too, and, and the thing is, like, uh, I, I'm a machinist, and sometimes you know I'll just Bluetooth my phone, and I'm listening to radio. I, mean, I listen to a lot of you guys, uh, actually. Uh, you know, I stream you guys. Like, if I miss your show, thank you. I'll, I'll, I'll get caught up, like, with it. And but then, uh, um, like, if I'm watching something on YouTube, it'll break it, and now it's a 20 minute long form commercial. It's like, yeah. If you're gonna drop an ad on me, okay, drop an ad on me. Right. But you just twenty five minutes of you telling me you hate tomatoes and it's gonna make it's gonna give me a heart attack. Yeah, right. I happen to love tomatoes. Right. <laughs> it's worth it. Yeah, but the next commercial is gonna tell you that tomatoes are a superfood and you should eat a lot of them. Yeah, and I gotta mix it with uh, uh, mix it with baking powder and yeah. right. uh, ground glass. And you won't believe what happened next. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Click here to find out. Um, yeah, no, I get it. Uh, look, there's this there's this tug of war, this dichotomy between you know, God forbid, Google's not making enough money, so they need the ad dollars. Yeah. Oh, of course they do. Of course they do. Course they do. Um, on of the course. other hand, I, I, I don't need to see ads that are utterly irrelevant to me. Yeah, what utterly? And and that's that's one of the more insidious things is that Google has, has said. Um, in in a version of Chrome coming up pretty soon now they're gonna they're gonna block third party cookies completely right um, not their third party cookies not well, their cookies they've moved on to something else called topics right so they can still track you but we're gonna stop everyone else from tracking you right right <laughs> well you know and, and I don't mind I'll tell you what if I'm getting content off of YouTube which is which is probably in all honesty one of the world's greatest resources for really anything is. from breaking your car to to figure out how to calculate a, a bolt circle, which I did the other day. Yep. It was like, okay, 
It's like, you know what? It is, it is invaluable. Did it yeah, take him 20 minutes to get to the um, uh, uh, actual measurement? Where he's describing how he's going to measure it, yeah, right, showing right, you the right, tools right. he's going to measure with. <laughs> there's some I can't remember. I can't remember the name, the guy's name, but there's somebody's law, which is you can skip the first three minutes of any YouTube video. Yeah. Well, there's yeah, there was a meme going around. Uh, you can't be sure it's true, but I can see it happening. Somebody tweeted to to YouTube saying, "You know, please, you know, stop pre-roll ads in front of life-saving device." Yeah. Uh, um, I don't need a five-minute ad when I'm trying to look up how to do mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. Right. And YouTube's answer was, "Why don't you join YouTube Red? Right. <laughs> Just skip your commercials." <laughs> or, or that, or, or I actually, I've, I've got, uh, I've got uh, my own quantity of of, of uh, videos on YouTube. Thing, you know, stuff that interests me, and you know. God forbid I've got 17 subscribers. Don't want to brag. Yep. Hey, whoa, 17? Want... Yeah, I'll tell you what, 18 if I get my mom to. You know, yeah. YouTube, but... <laughs> Double digits, baby. Double digits. <laughs> you know it, man. You know it. I'm gonna... I'll... Give, give me another century. I'll be monetized. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but but, uh, but um, I, I once in a while I'll backtrack and watch some of my stuff, too. I'm going, you know, I'm an idiot, too. You know, I, I piled on, so right. I babble as well, so... You know, well, none of us are immune from that problem. But right. anyway, Most I just want to tell you guys, but but YouTube was acting up for me um, with the Linux thing, and uh, frankly, uh, it was just uh, just the uh, ad blockers. Yeah. So. All right. So thanks, Brian. And, hey, thank you guys so much. Have fun. See you, man. Bye bye. Yeah, we're going to have to add that to our standard troubleshooting now. Is turn off your blockers. Right. Right. And the, and you know, again, it's it's that push pull yeah i don't want to see ads people have to make money and yep. you know again let's talk hypocrisy um i put out a weekly newsletter for which i charge people 25 bucks a year i could make it a free newsletter and put in ads yep. i choose not to uh and that's the way it works but you know everybody everybody's a little different on how they do things you can go to five bucks a month Oh, I, I saw the greatest meme, the other criticism of millennials, you know, buying their latte every day, and that's why they can't afford a house. Just, all right, so $5 latte every day, you know, that's, what, $25 a week, and, you know, it's times a month, times a year. That's only, you know, $12,000 a year. That is in no way enough for a down payment on a house. So enjoy your latte. Exactly right. <laughs> all right, back to the phones. Our next caller is Tim from Webster, New York. What's up, Tim? Yeah, hi guys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I heard someone call in and they slammed uh, WordPress Divi, so I had to, I had to chime in on that. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> I pretty much agree. Um, I've been using Divi for about ten years now, and it's a heck of a headache. Um, the problem is I don't know what else to do, and I've researched and shopped for an alternative. Um, Divi's even switched up the way they have you build things by trying to make everyone go to this front-end system, which I just couldn't master. So it's a real challenge to use this thing and a pain in the butt, and it does seem to slow down websites for sure with all the extra coding. And I use it because I know nothing about coding at all. Yeah. So right. doing, working with WordPress itself was uh, I, 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 it's just very, very difficult for the lay person to understand. So my question is, um, what are my alternatives? Um, I know WordPress hosting, by the way, it can be really expensive. That's a problem, too. What's the best way to transfer a site to a new builder 
and host, what are the best builders out there? I've considered Wix because it's the only thing I can figure out that might help me. I guess that's all front-end building, too. And I'm very concerned about security because I've been hacked, and it was a nightmare. It cost me over $400 to fix. So um, that's my question. And, by the way, starting about six weeks ago, I took your advice on using uBlock Origin. It's changed my life. Thank you for that. Our pleasure. Um, I just posted a link from Forbes on uh, the best website builders of 2024. Uh, And it's funny because there's a dozen of them there, and they're all best at something. Right. It depends on what you need. There's no universal best. Yeah, there's the best for startups, the best for creatives. Uh, So so they do say that Wix is the best for code-free customizations. Uh, They like Weebly best of all. For, for, right. as overall. One of the things that, that you have to do is decide what you're going to have on your website. So if your yeah. website is basically brochureware, where you just have a bunch of pages, people see them and then they call the number, Wix is beyond perfect for that. But if you're going to have like forums and this and things, then you Wix may not be the best. It, it could be. I mean, it's, it has a lot of that stuff. But you've got to be a little more savvy to use it properly. Yeah, just uh, basically blogging with embedded videos and maybe some decent uh, pictures, graphics here and there. That's it. Yeah, yeah take take a look at that at the site that uh, Steve just we posted. Yeah, and yeah, so Weebly is Forbes's best pick, um, and um, oh, <laughs> the affiliate link on the Forbes article is broken. <laughs> but 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 they do on the top of the article they say we earn a commission on all these links so right but you can go to weebly.com and find it yourself um and and so most of the uh best um uh, uh, uh website builders will have either instructions or a built-in tool on how to migrate your website from one company to another company in addition then, let's go back to things. youtube there are videos on youtube on how to get yep. started on all of these things in addition, there are companies in town and nationally who build websites. Yeah. So that's the other thing is you hire someone to do it. Exactly. But you need a, a budget for that. Right. Uh, what, what kind of budget, roughly? Depends on the person. None of them are, none, none of the ones that I know of are cheap. Yeah. Could you maybe post something that, um, with some links to some local people? Um, we can take a, a look at stuff. We generally don't recommend anybody individually because, frankly, we're going to miss somebody and they're going to be angry. Yeah, sure. I understand. Uh, okay. Sorry. Okay, no, no, I appreciate your time. I'm, I will look into Weebly from now and I'll go, I'll go from there. Thanks again for you, Black Origin. It's just amazing. Huge help. Okay. All right, thanks. Thanks, Tim. Yep, bye-bye. Bye-bye. I just found a list of uh, the best website builders in Rochester, New York, and I haven't heard of any of them. You're right. And a, a lot of them use Mac, so we, we sell to a lot of ad agencies and website builders. Uh, for years, we were selling computers into the graphics arts of ad agencies who then started doing you know, websites, you know, back when websites were new. And then on the other ha- half, there were the back-end programmers, and we always tried to get them together because right. you could have a beautiful website and the code was crap, or you can have really great code, but it looked terrible. Yep. So yep. why don't you just get to No one wanted to partner up. They all wanted to do it themselves, right. both halves themselves. Right. Well, you, you earn twice as much that way. Yeah. I get that. Uh, but yeah, I had, you know, this, uh, our sound bites was WordPress. 
And I just didn't have time uh, or expertise, frankly, to to keep it up. And I got hacked. We got hacked. Uh, now I wrote all the code myself, which takes longer. I get it yep. than 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 managing WordPress. I get that, all of this, but it's less hackable because there are because you have to individually figure out how to hack my site as opposed to oh they're running WordPress. Here's fifty kitty script kitty scripts that are available to me. Um, uh, but like I said, my daughter wants uh, wants a website, and I think I'll start with WordFence. Uh, which is a, a protection system for WordPress. If, uh, I've heard good things about it. I have not used it myself. Uh, we use it at, at Apple Cider. I had to turn off the notifications because it's like every minute another notification pops in. Oh, I'm sure. So I, now I just funnel them all into a folder. But right, you don't you don't need to ding at me every time. <laughs> right. Can, does, can you? Is how granular are the uh, uh, notifications? Can you say, I don't want these, or I do want those, or something along that line? I don't remember. Okay. All right. That music tells us that the first hour of this show is now history. But in the future, that is to say about four minutes in the future, there will be another hour of the longest-running computer show in the known universe. That's right, another hour of sound bites with, uh, with Steve Ray, with Michael Oden, with me, Nick Francesco. And with you, don't forget, you can give us a call, 585-966-JAZZ. That's 966-5299. Toll-free, 800-790-0415. Take a little break. Uh, go have a bio break. Get a beverage. But then come on back because we're going to have a whole nother hour of this nonsense. And we really, quite frankly, can't do it without you. So give us a call. Give us a shout. Get in the chat. Scream out your window. Whatever it takes. And we'll see you on the other side. It's America's longest-running computer show. Back to more sound bites with Nick, Dave, and Steve. Next on member-supported Jazz 90.1. WGMC Grease Rochester. A public service of the Grease Central School District. Jazz 90.1. Celebrating 50 years on the air in Rochester. Welcome back to America's longest-running computer show. Sound Bites on member-supported Jazz 90.1. Get online now. Call 966-JAZZ. That's 966-5299. Toll-free 800-790-0415. Or submit your question by email at soundbites.org. Once again, here's Nick Francesco, Dave Right and Steve Ray on member-supported Jazz 90.1. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Nick Francesco. I'm Steve Ray. And I'm Michael Oden. And at nine minutes after the hour, we're hurtling headlong into the second hour of the longest-running computer show in the known universe, Sound Bites, right here on member-supported Jazz 90.1. You can give us a call, 585-966-JAZZ. That's 966-5299, toll-free 800 790 0415, while I read the news. Google on Tuesday released updates to fix four security issues in its Chrome browser, including an actively exploited zero-day flaw. The issue concerns an out-of-bounds memory access in the V8 JavaScript and WebAssembly engine, which can be weaponized by threat actors to trigger a crash. By reading out-of-bounds memory, an attacker might be able to get secret values, such as memory addresses, which can bypass protection mechanisms to achieve code execution instead of just denial of service. Additional details about the nature of the attacks and the threat actors that may be exploiting it have been withheld in an attempt to prevent further exploitation. 
The development marks the first actively exploited zero day to be patched by Google in Chrome in 2024. And it took them a whole 20 days to get one. So that's uh, I think that's a record. Last year, they resolved a total of eight actively exploited zero days in the browser. Users are recommended to update to Chrome version 120.0.6099.224 or 225 for Windows, 120.0.6099.234 for Mac OS, and 120.0.6099.224 for Linux to mitigate potential threats. Users of Chromium-based browsers such as Microsoft Edge, Brave, Opera, and Vivaldi, are also advised to apply the fixes as and when they become available. Are you up to date? Give us a call. 585-966-JAZZ. It's 966-5299. Toll free 800-790-0415. It's um, um, important to stay up to date to these things. And I know there's a bunch of you who are philosophically opposed to being the first people to update something. Generally speaking, I agree. But when it's a zero-day exploit, make the update. Yeah, it's uh, because otherwise you can get hit. And again, uh, let me preempt the people who are going to say, "Well, nobody's interested in me. I don't have anything." These are all being hit by bots. They don't care who you are, where you are, or what you have. They send out the bots to hit every single vulnerable person, and then they use those to. Um, uh, mine bitcoins and break into other sites and store porn and do all kinds of things that you might not want to have on your computer. Um, there's been interesting conjecture on Security Now with, with Steve Gibson that um, there are there are internet scanners to just scan every computer on the internet to see what is. It used to be that was unfeasible to scan 16 billion addresses. Right now, now that you do it every day, you can do it um, twice a day if you want. And they keep track of all of the different servers there are and what versions they have and as soon as an exploit comes out um go oh hey there's twenty-seven thousand servers that are using that thing i'll I'll go exploit them now because i already know where they are so the bad guys don't even have to look for the servers that are are suddenly exploitable they've they've already got a database of them yep and you too can look up that database (laughs) yes you can all right, back to the phones. Our next caller is Walter from Greece, New York. Hi, Walter. What's up? Hello. Greetings to all, uh, and thank you for taking my call. Certainly. Uh, I have a question about one topic that you uh, go on, and uh, it's about backups and et cetera. And I have a, maybe a something that might be of interest to you and maybe and your listeners. Mm-hmm. And it's Linux-related. The, the backup issue is uh, I just, when I was doing my little research about distro hopping and came across uh, PC Linux OS, in one of their magazines, they had a long article about Filen, F-I-L-E-N. And, and, and get, apparently they think it's so great that they've put it into the repository that you can install through Synaptic Package Manager. I was wondering if you've heard about this thing, uh, any experience with it? I've seen some reviews that kind of say it's, it's a newbie, has some... It's good, but it's not as good as it could be. It's, it's based in Europe. It's supposedly extremely secure. But, you know, I'm kind it's of a, playing, It's a German company. Pardon? It's a German company. Yes. Uh, I've heard of it. Uh, they do end-to-end encrypted cloud storage. Yeah. So your data are there. Um, theoretically, the only people who can get at those data are you and whoever you give your password to. Right. 
which means that the the strength of your encryption depends entirely on the strength of your password. Uh-huh. You get 10 gigabytes of free space. Yeah, that's nice. Um, so that's nice. Um, frankly, it doesn't help me at all. 10 gigabytes <laughs> is nothing. But still, it's very nice. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's so, it's one of many. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I don't. I don't have a lot of experience with it, and so I don't have a lot of uh, knowledge of how really great it or bad it is. Um, but with most of these, uh, if your encryption is good enough, you're pretty secure. Okay. Um, there's also, well, there's the issue that if they are also, if they've written a backdoor into their software, and nobody knows that yet. Right. But that's true of all of them, right? So, you know, um, who knows? But uh, if, if, you're, uh, if you're fairly confident that your password is secure, you can be fairly confident that your data are secure. Okay, okay. Because it seems I read somewhere that uh, based on some European, they meet these European standards, that they, they're not going to let anybody have access to your data. Well, that's a large part of it. The European Union is far, far ahead of, of the United States in uh, user privacy and data security on the Internet. Um, and, you know, the GDPR, the General Data Protection... Regulation? Regulation, probably, <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, uh, so, yeah, if, if you're going to, at this point, honestly, sadly, it's true that if you're going to trust anybody, you're going to trust somebody in the EU... Okay. More than you're going to trust a company in America. Um, so well, they are doing some stupid things now, out there now. Um, yeah, that's true. What it, was it? Article 45 was it? They the EU wants to put a uh, top level SSL cert for every member country into every browser. Right. Which means that any member country can read everything that you do on the internet. Right. But no, the only for, they'd only do that for for good. Right, of course. <laughs> of course. Of course. But that doesn't mean that they can get at your data in this instance. Right. Right. So in that particular case, again, what protects your data uh, is the security, is the, is the strength of your password. Right. And as you've always said before, too, it's all a matter of who do you trust, too, for holding this yeah. information. Because I've heard, exactly. also read that Mega has had some bad, uh, did some bad acting on some stuff. Yep. yep. Okay. Yeah. Pre-internet encryption is the key. You want it encrypted on your computer before it goes out over the internet. Right. Even though the, the internet connection is secure, um, it can still be tapped. And eventually, was that data center in uh, Utah that NSA is building to store everything until their computers are strong enough to break them? Right. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, the, the reality is, so one of the reasons I like NPASS is because uh, stuff gets encrypted at my end before it gets sent somewhere. Uh, Phylon seems to do the same thing. Um, so yeah, I'm. Uh, you know, if uh, if you're look, it depends also on what you're backing up. Right. Right. So if you're just backing up my letter to Grandma, I I don't really care who reads it. Right. So you know, depending on the stuff you're backing up, depends on how much you need to trust the people at the other end. Yeah. Okay, very good. Very good. So let me just, it's a quick one then on the, on the Linux issue. Uh, we all know that distro test is dead. Yeah. 
Are you aware of the another one that has taken its place? Distro C is D I S T R O S E A dot com. There are sixty Linux distros online that you can try, try out. Everything from the Ubuntu's, Bodhi Linux, Peppermint, Debian, Garuda, Linux Mint, both uh, Debian edition as well as the regular Linux edition, MX, and some other odd ones that I've never heard before, such as VM, VX Linux. And I've tried it out already, and it is great. And you could even go on there and use the Internet to try out these Linux distros as long as you give them your Google account uh, you know, to sign in via Google. I'm, I'm, I'm really blown away just how easy it is. So hey, go hey, ahead. You, so, yeah, so, it's, so you can see if you like that version of Linux before you have to download it and install it on your own computer. Right. The, the, you run it in the VM at their end, and you can figure out what, uh, what you like or not. What's the speed like? Uh, it's, it's very good. Very good indeed. It takes a little while uh, for it to load up on uh, at their end, sure. but after that, it's it's great. Now I have not tried the internet on their system because well, I'm a bit paranoid. Why should I give my <laughs> Google uh, account to sign in to use that? If I like what I see, how the uh, desktop is oriented, you know, whether it's a GNOME desktop or uh, or whatever, right, 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 then. You know, then I can go ahead and download it myself, and then really play with it safely on my own uh, desktop machine. But it's it's a fun, it's really fun to look at the stuff. Really, holy good. moly! Not only that, but the ones I've looked at right now, yeah, also give you a, a choice of stable, unstable developer. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It's very cool. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's the greatest thing. I came upon it just through this other company. Uh, what is it? It's Ostechnix, O-S-T-E-C-H-N-I-X. They had a story about it, and I said, holy cow, this is this is the nuts. So, like, if you, anybody, I know you like using Xubuntu, and, you know, people want to try it out. This is a great place to go and just run it. And as I say, if you... You know, you, you get to see what it's all like. You can set up the desktop. You can do everything because it's, it's a, basically the live CDs running there, but you don't have to deal with it. Nice. Yes. Oh, they have Calibri OS. I, I've been looking to play with that. <laughs> well, there goes your afternoon. You're on, kidding. <laughs> uh, it's a, it's a, um, the operating system is written entirely in assembly language. So it's probably fast. It's, it's small and fast. Yep. As to whether or not it's any good, now I can test it. Yeah. Uh, this is excellent. Thanks so much. Oh, you're very welcome. You've helped me in other things. You gave me a good thing about filing. Glad I can return. Thank you. Thank you. Have fun. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, we have a need to end the show so I can go home and play. Uh, it's the thing I need to do now. I've got a it's list sad of, what I think of is playing. I've got a list of open windows that I'm, I'm going to get to this afternoon. Exactly. I, I hope. I hope, Exactly. Um, yeah, it's Ooh, a, but, but first I got a notice from the library that my copy of Shin Godzilla came in. Nice. The 19, 19, 2016 Japanese version. That's kind of the precursor to, um, Godzilla um, minus one. Godzilla minus one. Yeah. 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 They're, they're putting that back out again now in black and white. Oh, cool. Which I thought was very clever. Oh, and, uh, Oppenheimer is coming back to the IMAX theaters. 
yeah. for a while. Uh, apparently, what was, was it the Tom Cruise movie that Oppenheimer was only scheduled for a, a limited run at IMAX because they'd already scheduled another big star movie to come in, and so they had to pull back Oppenheimer for a while? Yep, yep. Um, yeah. Now, Oppenheimer or Oppenheimer? Depends if you're German or not, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Most people in America at least pronounce it Oppenheimer. Yeah. Um, it's like it's like Hawley's Comet. Yeah. The family apparently pronounces the name Hawley, not Haley's Comet. Um, okay. It's their name. They get to pronounce it how they like. What do I care? Is it Prius or Prius? Right. That's... Well, it's, it's it, you know, there's it, an, a, probably an apocryphal story about a guy whose last name was like 15 German letters mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, he inherited money and they said, you know, you, know the, you, you have to keep the family name. So he said, okay, I'll keep the family name. He went and had his name changed back to that name, pronounced Smith. Yeah. With a silent three. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, I get that. I do. All right. Let me read another news item. Well, you give us a call at 585-966-JAZZ. It's 966-5299. Toll free 800-790-0415. This is just another one of those news items that makes me shake my head. Newer generations of computers are expected to be AI PCs because everything's better with AI. And several suppliers have been pre- preparing new products with high-powered specifications that match those industry promises. Recent news indicates that Microsoft plans to increase the minimum specifications for its upcoming Windows 12 operating system, which is expected to be released this year. Apparently, they will up the base memory requirement on Windows 12 to 16 gigabytes in accordance with its standard for running its AI Assistant Copilot at minimum efficiency. The report added that Microsoft's updated hardware specifications will indicate which computers will count as AI PCs. There's much to infer from this specifications update. In the past, computers had fairly low minimum requirements for running new system versions. Windows 11 requires 4 gigabytes of memory to run an update. Now, remember, this is Microsoft's minimum. To actually get any work done, you need to double this. Yeah. Well, and and so if they're saying 16 gig minimum now, does that really mean 32? Yes, I believe it does. <laughs> yes, I believe it does. Uh, at least 24. Yeah. Right? Um, uh, Windows 10 requires one gig of memory. Anybody who's tried to run Windows 10 on a gig of memory knows you need four. Yeah. Knows that. Uh, for a 32-bit machine uh, for one gig of memory or two gigs for a 64-bit of course, to run efficiently and quickly, you'd want to at least double that amount of memory, which means you'll likely likely need 32 gig on your Windows 12 machine. Congratulations, the cost of computing just went up again. Other experts note that Windows 10 remains the most widely used version of the Microsoft system, while Windows 11 has gradually gained adoption primarily when users buy new computers. This has been the pattern, even though most devices in the market are compatible with a Windows 11 upgrade. Uh, with the current trends, the industry is likely betting on consumers purchasing fresh Windows 12 devices rather than updating the new OS anyway. For From the looks of it, older models will not likely have compatibility beyond memory. This standard might be might force computer manufacturers to make 16-gig memory the new standard for entry-level products to keep up with new operating system and the AIPC branding. 
Several manufacturers, including Intel, AMD, and Qualcomm, have announced new systems on a chip, or SOCs, in recent weeks to power upcoming AI PCs. These components use the unit of measure TOPS, T-O-P-S, for trillions of operations per second. Uh, according to TrendForce, Microsoft has set the standard for Windows 12 at 40 TOPS, 40 trillion operations per second. For reference, the current, current Intel Meteor Lake CPUs run at 34 TOPS, which make them ineligible uh, to power an AI PC. However, the upcoming Lunar Lake PCs from Intel are expected to be rated for AI PCs. The new AMD Zen 4 APUs are rated at 39 TOPS, coming up just short. Uh, but the AMD Cirrus, uh, Strix Point Zen 5 APUs are expected to be compatible Meanwhile, the Qualcomm Snapdragon X Elite chips exceeds the threshold at 45 tops. Many companies have been carving out their niche in the AI space for some time. With Windows software being an important connector for computers, its input is vital for how the industry runs and should be a major part of how the AI PC landscape is shaped moving forward. So, are you ready for an AI computer? Give us a call and prove you're human. 585-966-JAZZ. It's 966-5299, toll-free 800-790-0415. The current number one supercomputer, um, which is back in the U.S. at Oak Ridge Laboratory, um, it's doing 1,200 tops. Yeah. We've had to go to PFOPs. PFOPs, right. Petaflops. Actually, actually, no, I'm sorry. It's 1,200 petaflops. Wow, okay. So that's... I was going to say, that's not a that's lot. An, that's an exaflop. Yeah, exactly right. It's exactly right. It's an e-flop. Yeah. Um, Holy cow. Yeah. Um, yeah. It. The price of computing keeps going up. We it's, we say that all the time. It's got and, eight and a half million processor cores. Yeah. They're using AMD's. And it remains true. Um, uh, like I said, I just got a new uh, laptop a while ago, and it came with sixteen gig of RAM, and that's what I've got in my desktop. Mm -hmm. um, but that's going to be. Not enough to run Windows 12, which yep. I don't care about since I'm not running Windows 12. But it's just, it's it's ridiculous. You got a nuclear power plant next door? You're right, this, exactly. Well, the number one computer, 23,000 kilowatt yeah. power consumption. Yeah. That's... They, well, it's Oak Ridge. They probably do have a nuclear yeah, yeah. power plant. <laughs> like, oh, is that all? Yeah. We, can, we can handle it. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Back in just a couple of minutes with Steve Ray, Michael Oden, me, Nick Francesco, and you. It is 29 minutes after the hour. You're listening to the longest-running computer show in the known universe. That's Soundbites right here on the truly great and truly grateful to you that we continue to be member-supported Jazz 90.1. We will see you on the other side. Computer talk you can understand. More Sound Bites is next on member-supported Jazz 90.1. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Nick Francesco. I'm Steve Ray. And I'm Michael Oden. And at 34 minutes after the hour, we are Sound Bites. And uh, we're doing... Uh, we're doing okay in the voting. It's 65 votes so far. So uh, vote in the poll um, at soundbites.org. And uh, the bites with a Y, of course, Francis would like us to remind you. You can give us a call, 
866-9966-JAZZ. It's 966-5299. Toll free 800-790-0415. So we talked a little bit about the the, the um, co-pilot AI. Everything's better with AI. Of course, I think we, we all know that. Uh, and uh, Microsoft is all in, believe me, on AI. Because on Monday... Microsoft announced that it is launching a paid version of its generative AI Copilot platform for consumers. The option called Copilot Pro will cost 20 bucks per month per user and gives users access to a number of additional capabilities, including the access to the latest AI, mo- AI, wow, AI models and improved AI image generation via Image Creator from Designer. The move comes as Microsoft looks to monetize its massive investment in ChatGPT, Developer OpenAI and continue to build on the momentum behind generative AI that kicked off in 2023. Microsoft says Copilot Pro will, uh, was developed for individual users who want to get priority access models, including GPT-4 Turbo, OpenAI's latest offering, during peak usage hours for improved overall performance, as well as the ability to access Copilot across Microsoft's Word, Excel, PowerPoint, Outlook, and OneNote apps. Because what we need is more PowerPoint being generated by AI. Microsoft and its OEM partners are even adding a new co-pilot button to the Windows laptop and desktop keyboards as the AI PC generation kicks off. The company says the co-pilot will provide a single experience on the PC, web, and apps, as well as iOS and Android. Microsoft says Copilot Pro... We'll also include access to its image creator and the option to customize your own co-pilot GPTs for certain pro- topics, whether that's for working out, cooking, or any other interest you might have. In addition to Copilot Pro, Microsoft has also announced that it's dropping the minimum user limit for Copilot for Microsoft 365. Microsoft previously limited the offering to companies purchasing licenses for 300 seats for more or more. This change opens up the software to small and medium-sized businesses. If you're going to charge 20 bucks a user per month, they'll open it up to two people. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Copilot for Microsoft 365 brings Copilot to the company's suite of productivity apps. And again, that's Word, Excel, PowerPoint, Teams. Teams. Because really what we need is AI and Teams. The enterprise edition of the software. There's actually one use for AI that I like. There's a person who created an AI bot for Discord. That and maybe for other things as well, that summarizes a meeting. Hmm. So you have the meeting, and this AI bot watches the meeting and then creates the notes, the summary notes afterwards. Okay. Does it say that could have been an email at the bottom? <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> this could have been an email. Could have been a tweet. Could it go away? They still call them tweets, even though it's not Twitter anymore. Yeah. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Um, the, the service formerly known as Twitter. <laughs> exactly. Microsoft is investing $10 billion, that's billion with a B dollars over 10 years, in open AI as a means of expanding its position in the enterprise productivity market, and with the hope that it can simultaneously steal market share away from rival Google in the search market via its AI-powered Bing chat and Edge browser. Uh, we've already seen that Google has AI generative stuff at the top, which you can t- pick or not pick. It's difficult to imagine the average consumer subscribing to Copilot Pro, especially for 20 bucks a month. But users who want to dive deeper into using generative AI or need quick access to high-powered AI models 
could find the service extremely useful. More importantly for Microsoft, the addition of Copilot Pro and opening up Copilot for Microsoft 365 to a large number of business users will bring in more revenue for its AI efforts, providing Wall Street with further proof that the company is monetizing its investments. Elevating Copilot to such a position shows how much Microsoft is setting is set on showing that AI is an enormously important part of its future on a par with cloud computing. But Microsoft isn't the only company working to seize the AI moment. Google is also selling access to its enterprise-grade productivity suite with its Duet AI platform, while Amazon, Salesforce, and others look to gain more traction as well. So, when is enough AI too much AI? Give us a call and a human will answer. Well, Michael will answer. And we think he's human. So, give us a call, 585-966-JAZZ. That's 966-5299. Toll free, 1-800-790-0415. Just like Jim did from Brighton, New York. What's up, Jim? Probably an apocryphal story about a guy whose last name was like... He's he's talking to someone else. Jim, you're on the air. Jim, turn off your radio and talk to us. There we are. Hello? Hi. What's up? Yeah. You're on the air. What's up? Oh, um, my question had to do with something talked about in the last hour. It talked about uh, turning off your keyboard or something if uh, someone else might walk by and look into your computer and, uh, you know, steal your passwords and stuff like that. Right. Now, my question is, uh, I don't know how you would do that. What do you do to lock your keyboard or whatever you call it's, it? It's not like your computer. It's like your screen. Um, and, and the screensaver you have on your, on your computer uh, generally is set to automatically turn on after a few minutes. Um, and in many cases, especially on a laptop, there's a lock screen command in one of the menus. Well, there's a couple of things. First, you can set your screensaver to lock your screen when it turns on. And that's where we talked about doing it every, like, 30 seconds after you walk away. But also, uh, on... Hello? Is the radio still playing in the background? Turn down your radio, please. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Let me get that. uh, Here we go. Yeah, go ahead. All right. If if you have a a, uh, Windows computer, you have the little Windows logo key? Yes. Yeah. If you press that and L at the same time, it will lock your screen completely. And then to unlock it, you have to type in your password. So the caveat here is you have to know your password. I see. Oh, that's pretty simple. Yeah. So, um, you know, two things. First, train yourself to lock your keyboard every time you walk away. But secondly, set your screensaver to lock your keyboard every time you walk away. Okay. Now... I can see how this could be important, like if you're working in an office. I'm working at home. It's in my office. No one else is in the house. Would I really need to do this? It depends on who else is in the house. If it's nobody, then no, not really. Uh, I would certainly lock it at night if you don't turn your computer off. Yeah, a lot of times the big danger is with a laptop that you take someplace. Um, you know, you're at the coffee shop and you go up to get a cup of coffee. If you leave your computer unlocked, somebody could sit down and rummage through it and, you know, to try to find your passwords, typically. Yeah, that all makes sense. I get that. Uh, I suppose if I had, like, someone putting in a hot water heater or something coming into the house, that'd be another time to do it. Right. My desktop, for the longest time, I had no password on it. Uh, 
No, no yeah. lock screen password. Um, okay. And then, you know, what that meant was every time we had people over, I had to remember to lock the screen. Yep. What's happening yeah. now is a lot of computers are coming with biometrics, a fingerprint reader, um, a face reader. Um, so, you, so it makes it easier for you to get in um, just by touching the fingerprint reader instead of needing to type your password again. So it does make locking your screen by habit more important. See, that, that, that's, that's kind of what, what you want to get into the habit of, of locking your screen. So when you are at a point where there's a danger of someone seeing or, or walking in and getting to your stuff, it's already locked because you have a habit of doing it. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Sure. Okay, thanks very much. All right, thank you. So it's Windows L on a on Windows, and in the uh, in the Apple, it's in um, the Apple menu or Control Command Q. Right, and on. Uh, I don't know if I'd ever remember that. It's, yeah, but yeah. You know, right, Apple and menu on, lock screen. Right, and and you can you can. Set it to be whatever you want yeah. in Linux. And most of the time, even though the screen is locked, things are still running in the background. So if you know if you're leaving something running, you know you've got a um, uh, video uploading or whatever, it, it'll keep going even though the screen is locked. So the next step would be the screen goes to sleep, and then the step after that, the computer goes to sleep. So it's right, right, the, right. The progression. Trying right. to trying to save power. I remember when I was at Kodak thirty years ago. Now, <laughs> um, they were they had signs all over the place saying, "Turn your CRT monitor off at night, and uh, we'll save fifty thousand dollars a year on electric costs." Yeah. Just just turning them off at night. Not not even you know when you go to lunch or something. Just at night. Yep. All those. So the the big switch to LCD was probably a huge boon to the to the electricity generation. We don't need uh, don't need that much electric. But even now there's. <laughs> LCDs use much less power, but they're getting even more efficient, so they use even less power. Right. I turn my monitor off at the end of the day when I go to bed. Yep. Excuse me, early in the morning when I go to bed. But I leave the computer running because it it does a lot of backing up and other yep. stuff overnight. But, oh, well, that's, you know, that is what it is. And so... Uh, it probably goes into a... Um, well, uh, what low the, power mode. Yeah, low power mode rather than completely asleep. Right. Apple calls it a power nap. So it'll 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 wake up from its nap to check your mail and do your backup and then go back to sleep again. You're right, exactly. Uh, and you can you can set all kinds of things like that. You can have it uh, wake up to do certain tasks and then go back to sleep or whatever whatever it is you want to do, uh, depending on the system you're running and 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 uh, the hardware attached to that system. Yep. Um, you know it. it a lot of it depends on that. Um, so most laptops actually have all of that capability built in. It's desktops that often don't. One of the things we've seen, though, is external hard drives don't necessarily like the computer to go asleep because that will often disconnect the hard drive right. Im- improperly. And then right. you get that, you eject it improperly. You're supposed to do that safely, remove hardware. Right. And, um, there, well... There are ways around that. One of the reasons that you get that safely eject thing is because of buffering. Mm-hmm. When you write something to a thumb drive or an external drive, it doesn't really write it. It puts it in a buffer and then slowly writes it in the background so you're not disturbed while you're doing other things. Um, and often... Uh, that means that when you get the I'm done writing this, copying this file, for example, uh, 
uh, if it's a big enough file, it isn't really copied right. yet. And we hear we hear people all the time say, "Oh, I just unplug it, and I've never had any problems." You've been pretty lucky. Exactly right. Or you only copy really small files, so they're done already. Exactly. Um, but one of the things that you can do in some operating systems is set it to not buffer, mm-hmm. which means that, that it takes longer to back things up, but now you can then safely ignore the don't unplug this unless it's uh, because it might not be safe. But, again, then it takes longer to, to back things up. And often you then can't do other things. Well, nowadays machines are so fast that it doesn't much matter. But mm-hmm. uh, you, in, in the old days, you couldn't do other things at the time. Um, there's, there's an issue we, we run into a lot on the Mac where you try to eject a disk and it says, I can't. It's, it's in use. And there's no way to know what program is using it. Well, that's the worst part. Yeah. So, so then they have to shut down the computer. Because then it, that quits all the background programs. So it's probably the Spotlight indexer yep. trying to index it. Could be the backup program trying to back it up. But it doesn't tell you. So yeah. it's all right. All right. I got to shut down now, I guess, to get this disk out. Well, it gives you the option to force eject. I don't want to do that. No, no, you don't. Uh, one of the things that you can do is to set up your backup to not back up external drives. Mm-hmm. Um you can also turn off Spotlight. How often do you actually use Spotlight? Is a very good question. Yeah. You know, if you're if you're not the sort of person who ever uses Spotlight, why is it on? A, it's taking up a bucket load of disk space. B, it takes up processor time. A lot of and time C, you, it often has that yeah. effect of not being able to eject something. A lot of times you don't realize you're using it. You right. Ever, so, so Spotlight is the name of the program on the Mac that does searching. So if you ever search for a file, search for an email, search for anything, you're using Spotlight. Right. But if you don't search, yeah. then there's no reason to have Spotlight turned on. If you know where everything is. <laughs> or it's all on your desktop because yeah. you're that person. Yep. There was a, a journalist ages ago when, when Spotlight first came out. He said, well, this is the end of folders. You never need to organize it by folders again because Spotlight will just find it for you. I hate seeing a customer computer where there's a thousand items on the desktop or in every yep. single folder. It's, yep. it's like the one giant filing cabinet marked miscellaneous. I, I've, <laughs> I've gone to people's desks and they said, my computer is full. No. Your desktop is full. Mm-hmm. Your screen is full. Your drive and, and is they And they empty. wrap around so now they're going on top of each other. So I've had people want me to make the icon smaller which you can, right, then right. you can fit more of them on the desktop before they wrap around. Here's a tip for those of you who have 600,000. I have two tips for you. One, don't. Yeah. Secondly, you can create folders on your desktop. And you can put those files yep. in folders just like you can on the hard drive itself. Yep. Because the desktop is just a file on the hard drive. Apple even created a feature called Stacks where it will condense all of the folder icons into one icon. Ooh. It'll condense all the JPEGs into one icon, Ooh. all the documents into one icon. Nice. And then you click on it, and then it blows up again to show you the thousand icons you have. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, so th- 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 there's two types of people. There's people that have everything on the desktop and nothing on the desktop. Right. It's like and they marry each other. <laughs> I, I'm in between. Yeah. Um, and then there's the, the you know... Uh, there are at least on my computer. I have a 
um, uh, a section that says recently used. Yeah. So I can I can click on that. Here it is. A recent documents. And anytime I um, want to get to a document, my last 10 documents, mm-hmm. it could be longer, it could be shorter. I set it to 10. My last 10 documents are available right there. Okay. So if I'm working on something, it's right there. Done. Um, and everything else is in folders somewhere. 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 <laughs> it's, uh, it's a... It's, it's hard, and I understand this, in the heat of creation to have to stop and say, what am I going to name this and where am yep. I going to put it? And, and that's a very common problem we run into in service. You know, someone says, I lost all my Excel files. Well, where'd you put them? On my computer. Yep. What folder were they in? I don't know. You told it what folder when you saved them the first time. Well, I didn't look. Right. Well, that's probably the documents folder then. They're not there. Okay. <laughs> Yep, yep. So then we use Spotlight to search for it. <laughs> yep. Uh, but they, so yeah, and and on on Linux, there's a, a program called Locate, um, which I've got mine set to update the database at 2 a.m. So I it doesn't just to, actually I think I've got to set the update every half hour, but you can also force an update by hand. So you know, every once in a while, I say to myself. Where's that file I just wrote? Update DB, boom, off I go. But uh, it's it's very understandable that people put stuff away and in the heat of the moment they don't think about where it went or anything else. And that that is where a program like uh, Spotlight or or Locate uh, comes in handy, where you can then search your hard drive for that file assuming that it is in fact being um searched for and then there are there are a couple of uh linux programs that work like spotlight there are a couple of um uh, windows programs that work like spotlight so you can have it do it all the time but that requires setting it up and knowing what not to set up like mm-hmm. i said you generally don't have to set up you generally don't want to set up uh removable media because it it will then take time uh, away from I need to pull this out and go somewhere. Right. Yep. You ever notice in Windows you, when you're searching for something and and that progress green progress bar that fills the ad, goes off the edge of the screen? Yeah. It couldn't find it, so it keeps looking past the end. Yeah, I, I don't know, <laughs> but yes, yes. Um, and you can you know there are programs that will search. Your entire hard drive by a word yeah. Where's in that, your document. Where's that document I wrote about penguins? Exactly. Uh, in Linux, that's called grep. You can run it from the command line. I, there are equivalent programs that are available on every operating system. And how fast they run depends entirely on the speed of your computer, the amount of RAM you have, and how fast your hard drive is. And that's why programs like Locate and Spotlight will index. So it makes it faster to find those things. Right. But then slower to actually remove a drive yeah. or whatever, whatever. So, yeah. All right. We've got just a couple of minutes to talk to Steve from Greece, New York. What's up, Steve? Um, a couple of things to what you're just talking about. On the desktop, I was under the impression that if you save programs on the desktop, it takes, it, 
that really slows down your search. So you're better off saving shortcuts on your desktop. Anything you save on the desktop takes a certain amount of space from the heap. And the heap uh, is only so big. So you will eventually fill up the heap and that will slow down your computer significantly. So the fewer programs you have on the desktop, the faster your computer will run generally. What I do is I basically put the programs in, in the C drive or something and then put a shortcut to it on the desktop. Yes. And then that's one connection which, which doesn't fill up the heap. So, yes. And you talk about looking for programs on a Windows machine. Agent Ransack is fantastic. It will let you look within a folder for something. Nice. What was the name of that? Agent Ransack. Asian Ransack, I like it. Yeah. Um, uh, for searching, yeah. Apparently right. that is a uh, character in Mythicsoft. Okay. Uh, if I'm looking for a Word document or something like that. I put in as much as I, I know of the name and then put some text inside. It will look for that text inside the folder. Yep. Now, it takes a long time if you're looking for text, but... Yeah. Yeah, the, the, so it's fastest to search for file names, but oftentimes you don't remember what you named it. Untitled 27. So, yeah, right. But you know it was about penguins. Yes. If you can come up with a, something that you know is in that document, you must be specific. Um, it will search within the folder or document for it. Right, nice. nice. It's a wonderful program, and it saved my butt more than once. All right. Well, that's important. Wow. Free for both commercial and personal use. Yep. Oh, Catfish. That's the one I was thinking of for Linux. All right. Thanks. All right. Enjoy. Thank you, guys. All right. Have fun. Yep. Bye. Yeah, the one. Isn't, the one isn't I catfishing was bad? Except, uh, <laughs> except when you're when you're searching for things on Linux. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a whole lot of uh, there's a whole lot of search programs available as to how. Uh, efficient they are, how well they run in the background, and how good a job they do uh, depends on a lot. Yep. But uh, um, I have used Catfish in the past. Uh, I tend to be, if you've ever looked at my desktop in my room, you might think I've never had any organizational skills whatsoever, but my computer is very organized. So I have no need of, of something like Catfish. I rarely misplace a file and locate will get it to me i know where everything is and tell my boss or my wife move it depending on the location yeah (laughs) or i clean you know once or once in a while i get this urge the stupid stupid urge to clean yep and now i can't find anything all right that is it that music tells us that we are done for another week what fun show this was I want to thank Steve Ray. I want to thank Michael Oden. Comes in on his uh, uh, very precious time away from his other job to come in and and man the board for us. We love you, Michael. You're a good man. Um, And uh, I'm Nick Francesco. And I want to thank every single one of you called in. Very much appreciated. I want to thank everybody in the chat. Uh, We're done for another week. that's it. The longest running computer show in the known universe done for this week. It's Sound Bites right here on the truly great and truly grateful to you that with your generous support, we continue to be member supported Jazz 90.1. We will see you in just 166 hours. Be good to one another, will you? And stay warm.